Okay, we're going to continue our study. We're going to be in Proverbs for a while. And as you remember, we talked about um, there'll be about eight different subjects that we will deal with out of the book of Proverbs. And today in our study of ancient wisdom for modern families, we come to Proverbs for parents. Proverbs for parents. Now, I think we'd all agree that no job on earth is more important than parenting. Would you agree with that? Would you agree that it's hard? It's tough. That's right. You know, and parental success or failure, it impacts not only the eternity of a child, but generations. And I think most of us would agree that parenting is the hardest of our life's tasks. It's not easy. It's not easy. And because it's so hard and because it's so important, almost everything else in life must be subordinated to it because parenting requires your best energy, creativity, wisdom, and finances. Would you agree with that? I think if, you, if you're a parent, you would say absolutely. You know how important that is. At the induction in, into the Baseball Hall of Fame, it was Harmon Killebrew. He said, my father taught me and my brother to play ball in our front yard. Said one day, mom complained that we were ruining the lawn. And dad said, we're raising kids, not grass. Let me tell you something. A whole lot of things, way more important than a lawn, must be sacrificed to fulfill this divine calling of raising kids. Um, you will sacrifice some stuff. This is a very, very important job. Now, in addition to being hard and being important, parenting also has the potential to be the most satisfying or most sorrowing experience in life. Proverbs 17 and verse 21, it says, He who sires a fool does so to his sorrow, and the father of a fool has no joy. And then in 17.25, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. And even more ominous is Proverbs 19 and verse 13, which says, a foolish son is destruction to his father. Now, with that said, let's just jump right on into the message here. And Proverbs, according to Proverbs, the blessing of wise parenting is great joy. Number one, the blessing of wise parenting is great joy. Proverbs 23 and verse 24. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who sires a wise son will be glad in him. Now, I think I can give personal testimony that nothing in this world brings more joy to me, or to you probably, than seeing your children eternalize godly values because you see if they do that when they do when they have children if they do they will teach their children the same thing if yours grow up with godly values they will teach their children godly values i know in proverbs 23 verses 15 and 16 my son if your heart is wise my own heart will also be glad and my inmost being will rejoice when your lips speak what is right. Now, since it's true that he who aims at nothing usually hits it, it's vital to parents that we have a clear um, 
we have clear goals for parenting. It's something that we need to understand and, and they, need to be, they need to be clear. But as you can expect, people often differ on exactly what those goals should be. Everybody does that. For example, for many, one goal is independence. You know, I just hope someday my kids will move out and pay their own way. Well, I think maybe all of us, we have agreed with that, but there's probably more to it than that. We want more for our kids than just that. And many, goal number one is for children to, to truly feel love. That's what they want for their, their children. Well, feeling loved is, is important for a child, but I'm not convinced that's number one. And some even say their number one goal for their, their child is to learn respect, to respect others and, and, and to be a responsible citizen. It was Maria Shriver, um, Shriver, who wrote a book about her father's commitment to raise kids who, who would uh, contribute to society. The psych ward in at Purdue University, they developed a tool um, which walks parents through lists and a series of questions to help them identify their personal goals for parenting. And after reading those, I just have to say that, yeah, those, those are important. All those goals that they put on those lists, they're important. But as a Christian, my first goal was always to see my kids saved so that I could spend eternity together with them one day. What about you? And for you to do that, you have to start young. You start with those Bible stories of Jesus and you make them just as important and more exciting than the worldly stories. You start off at that young age so that when they hear a story of Jesus, they want to pay attention because this is a good story. This is exciting. That's where you start. And I know we've got several little fellows and girls running around in here and thank goodness they have godly parents. And we want to start young right there. Number two, according to Proverbs, uh, step one toward that and the primary goal of wise parenting is to teach a proper fear of God. Teach a proper fear of God. The 14th chapter of Proverbs, in verse 26, in the fear of the Lord there is strong confidence and His children will have refuge. You see, self-esteem, purpose, security, they all flow from a proper respect of God. We have to start that young. Proverbs 23 and verse 17, Do not let your heart envy sinners, but live in the fear of the Lord always. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Listen, my son, and be wise. Folks, it is vitally important that children know God's love. But if that knowledge does not rest upon a proper fear, it's just idolatry. You see, God is not your child's buddy, or God is not your child's grandpa. He is the holy, almighty, all-powerful creator, Lord of the universe, whose wrath is revealed against all unrighteousness, and who one day will judge both the living and the dead. And we need to train our kids that. That's who God is. He's Almighty God. He is our Lord. He is our 
Savior. And in Matthew, the 10th chapter, verse 28, Jesus said, Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, if you let that marinate just for a minute and you really think about it, actually, it's the fear of God that makes His love for us so amazing. God's love for us is just amazing. When you think about what we have done and He still loved us, that's amazing. That is true love. That's love that we cannot even comprehend. You see, Proverbs the ninth chapter and verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then chapter 1 and verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. 14.27 The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. 8.13 The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. 16.6 By the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. 22.4 The reward of humility... And the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. Parents, if you want your children to have knowledge and wisdom, avoid death, hate evil, and turn from evil, and have riches and honor and life, teach them to fear the Lord. Teach them who the Lord is, how great and almighty and how powerful God is. In Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, and verse 13, Solomon said this, the conclusion, when all has been heard, fear God and keep His commandments because this applies to every person. Parents, if you will teach your children to fear God, they will keep His commandments and fulfill the duty. Now, number three, according to Proverbs, the toolbox for wise parenting. It includes, first of all, Biblical instruction. Biblical instruction. Proverbs 4, 1 and 2. Solomon writes this. Hear, O sons, the instruction of the Father, and give attention that you may gain understanding. For I give you sound teaching. Do not abandon my instruction. And in Proverbs 7, verses 1 and 2. My son, keep my words and treasure my commandments within you. Keep my commandments and live in my teaching as the apple of your eye. Parents, for your children to escape hell and go to heaven, they must come to a saving knowledge or saving faith in Jesus Christ. That's got to happen. And in Romans the 10th chapter and verse 17, it says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Now, at the proper time, when they're old enough to understand right from wrong and they accept Christ as their Savior, they become a Christian after they're born again, then they need to grow and they need to mature in their faith. So then 1 Peter in chapter 2 and verse 2 says, it commands us like newborn babies, long for the pure milk of the Word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. Listen, as your child begins to grow, and really seek God, Satan's going to attack them. Satan's coming after them. Satan does not want your child to believe in God. Satan does not want your child to accept God, to understand that he's all authority. Satan doesn't want that. And he will use every means that he can to keep your child distracted from the fact of who God is. 
Satan is good at what he does. So your child must take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And let me tell you something, that will not happen unless they've been taught to do that. They have to be taught. And we start off very young. The 119th Psalm in verse 9, David asked, How can a man keep his way pure? The very next sentence, he answers it. He says, by keeping it according to your word. Listen, for a child to ever be useful in the service of Christ, they must know the word. Because in 2 Timothy verses, uh, chapter 3, verses 13, or 16 and 17, it says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, that the man of God may be equipped or adequate for every good work. Plain and simple, do you want your child to be happy? And I think you do. Look at Psalms, the first chapter in verse 1 and 2. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. You want your child to know prosperity and success? Of course you do. Look at Joshua, the first chapter, verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is within it, written within it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Parents, if you want your child to go to heaven to grow in faith, to be equipped for spiritual war, to walk in purity, be equipped to serve, truly be happy and be successful, you need to teach them God's Word. You need to lead them to every event and every activity and relationship where others will be pouring the Word of God into them. Folks, nothing is more important you know, we say that our kids is a church of tomorrow. Really, they're the church of today. And our kids, when they have kids, if we're going to have a strong church, we need to have them strong from this tall right on up. We need to do that. That is important. Listen, in Deuteronomy 6, verse 7, Moses gave this command to godly parents. He said, you shall teach them diligently to your sons and shall talk and talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You see, every parent must become a teacher of God's Word. And to become a teacher, every parent must first of all be a student and learn God's Word because you cannot teach what you don't know. And that's why Moses um, preceded this verse um, and this command to teach in Deuteronomy 6, uh, in verse 6, with this. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Now the second tool for wise parents is loving discipline. Folks, we help our children make good decisions until they can learn to be self-disciplined. Loving discipline begins with clear rules. Clear rules. 
Do not touch that. That's clear. That's concise. Do not play here. That's clear. That's concise. Your curfew is whatever time it is. That's clear. That's concise. And then loving discipline consistently confronts misbehavior. And, if needed, adds consequences to that. Anybody ever have any consequences to your misbehavior? <laughs> Some of you older folks, you like, yeah, that's true. Um, Proverbs is filled with passages on parental discipline. I mean, if you look through there, you say, man, this is kind of a, this is a rough book here. Um, Proverbs 23, verse 13 and 14 says, Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. Chapter 19 and verse 18. Discipline your son while there is hope and do not desire his death. Folks, let me say this. Something that I've learned in the ministry, I learned from my dad, watching him in the ministry and being around families all my life. If you don't teach your child how to submit his will to proper authority, you guarantee him a life of pain and frustration and then the horrifying judgment of God. Folks, there's so much written about discipline in Proverbs for a reason. God knew us. He made us. He knew what it was going to take. You see, Proverbs 20 and verse 30 says, Stripes that wound scour away evil, and strokes reach the innermost parts. And in 22.15, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Remember, we talked about in Proverbs, the word foolishness here, it describes a willful and rebellious heart or rebellious spirit. Little Johnny has a, a foolishness bound up in his heart, but the rod of discipline will remove it. Um, any of you fellas out there have had the rod of discipline remove foolishness from you? In some way or form, you probably have. Did it kill you? No, you're right here today. And uh, all of you are pretty good fellows, I'd have to say. Um, Proverbs 22 and 6. Oh, Proverbs 29, 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child who gets his own way brings shame to his mother. And then in Proverbs 22 and verse 6, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now, when you look it up, that word train, it carries with it the idea of putting a bit and a bridle on a horse. You know, we need some leverage to guide a stallion or a big animal like a horse. And children must be guided and trained. And the better trained they are, the lighter your hand can be on those reins. I remembered the more I obeyed my dad and he could trust me, I had more freedom. And I, I think you fellas can remember the same thing, you know. Now, with that being said, in Matthew 18 and verse 6, Jesus said, Whoever calls one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Now, I do want you to understand this. 
understand when we're talking about discipline and when we're talking about a rod, we're not talking about child abuse. Plain and simple, we're not. We're talking about intentional and loving correction of a child. Now, I personally think all parents need multiple strategies like timeout or groundings, but the Bible specifically talks about a rod, and I strongly believe that there's a time and there's a place when applied properly, a spanking is the best. And in some cases, with some kids, the only kind of discipline that gets through. Now, I know that is not politically correct. You say that in public and you'd get crucified. But the truth of the matter is, I would rather be biblically correct than publicly correct. You see, we need to understand that God designed us. He made us. And He's the one giving us instruction on how it works. If you want it to work right, do it this way. If you don't want it to work right, do it your own way or the world's way. Now, I know that wasn't politically correct, and some may disagree. Just make sure you disagree maybe with my conclusion and not God's precepts. Don't disagree with the Bible. Now, I do believe that in our home, God honored our efforts to closely follow the teachings of His Word. And I really like what Dr. Dobson said, spankings ought to be rare but memorable. <laughs> and if they're done right, it'll work. <laughs> you see. Well, our third tool is to set a good example. Set a good example. The power of modeling is immeasurable. Proverbs 20 and verse 7 says, A righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. Again in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 8, Moses commanded that the parents of Israel, um, he commanded them to take God's word and bind them as a sign on their hands and, and frontals on their foreheads. You see, they were to show their children their own obedience and their acts and, and their thinking. They were models. And we are to be models. If you don't think a child watches you, you're not watching the child. They watch you. They imitate you. Um, I know I was told just a week or two ago how someone was making faces at a kid and saying something and the kid would do it right back. They model you. They imitate you. Little boy one time he was asked, he was asked if he believed in God, and immediately, I sure do. Well, why, he was asked. He said, well, I guess it just runs in my family. You know, that's exactly how faith is imparted right there. It runs in the family from an example of godly parents to their children. That's the way it works. They were brought up. It's a, a natural response, you see. Now, Proverbs doesn't actually mention this, but both David and Solomon modeled it. Our fourth powerful parenting tool is constant prayer. Constant prayer. And speaking specifically of this task of raising children, the 127th Psalm and verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, 
They labor in vain who built it. Folks, if you read that again and you slow down and you read it for understanding, that truth should every day drive every parent to their knees in prayer. Finally, number four, the motive of wise parenting is to always be loved. In Proverbs 13, verse 24, he who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Hear this. Parents must never use their children to build their, their own self-esteem or live through their kids. But everything we do ought to, be our, ought to be motivated by our love for them and our love for God. Those two things put together. Now, through extensive and multiple studies on parenting styles, we know what produces happy, healthy, independent, and successful adults. We know that. We've been around long enough that studies have, enough studies have been done, it, it can be proven. And there were some psychologists, they were identifying some parenting styles here. And they had a graph with two axes and all that, but anyway, to get around all that, to move along, their concluding remarks was this. There were four parenting styles and the first one they listed was this, high control, low, low love. Those parents are called authoritarian. They have lots of rules, harsh discipline, and very little expressed love and affirmation. And then the second one that they identified was low control, low love. And those parents, they're called neglectful. In these homes, kids are pretty much, they just raise themselves or the TV raises them. They run the streets, they do whatever they want to do, and their perception is that no one really cares. Then the third parenting style is low control, high affirmation. You know, parents, they're called permissive parents. These parents are all about their kids, you know, but they have very few rules, and they do not consistently enforce the few rules that they have. And then the fourth style was high control, high affirmation parents, and they're called authoritative. Now, like permissive parents, they're very involved in their kids' lives, and they show lots of love, lots of affirmation, but they also have clear and consistently enforced rules. Well, parents, which parenting style describes you? Better yet, how would your kids answer that question? How would your kids answer which parenting style um, describes you? Well, every study on this subject has concluded that the best or the number one parenting style is the authoritative style. And by the time that a child is 18, you really need to have moved on to the permissive style. You see, if you're still treating a teenager that's about ready to leave home and go off on his own, if you're still treating him like he's six years old, you got a problem. <laughs> so you need to change. Psychologists also tell us that permissive, the permissive style is the number two most effective parenting style. And surprising to some, neglectful is number three. And number four, the worst thing you can be as a parent is being authoritarian. 
By the way, these homes are often very religious and they tend to be the ones that produce serial killers. Listen, you're better off neglecting your kids than over-controlling them without love and affirmation. Now, what's really interesting when you look at this study is the comparison between children that was raised in a permissive home and children that were raised in authoritative homes. As young adults, children raised in authoritative homes have real advantages. You know, they're typically more successful in college, marriage, and their first jobs. Children raised by permissive parents often have false starts, and some are more likely to flunk out of college, get divorced, and be fired from their first job. But eventually, they learn that the world doesn't revolve around them like it did when they were at home. And if they don't get messed up too bad, in their late 20s and 30s, life teaches them the discipline that their parents didn't. That was the conclusion of all of this. Well, regardless of what you think about that, we all understand this. Parenting is hard. It is tough. And it is not the same for every child that you have. Every child has their own personalities. You know, Dawn was very passive. She wanted to please us all the time. Joshua was not. Joshua had to learn what the rod was. Now he's a pretty good kid. I say, kid, he's a grown man. And I love him to death. I respect him. Kids are different. Parenting is hard. And it's different for everyone. And we're going to make mistakes. But let me suggest this to you. When we make a mistake, always err on the side of love. Always. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 8 tells us, Above all, Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Isn't it amazing when we look at, quote, the best men that we have, the best psychologists we have, those that are trying to tell us this is the best way to raise your kids. And, you know, when we look at those and the, and the ones they prove this works, this is the way it does, and it works. Isn't it amazing um, once again the brightest of all men have discovered the 3,000-year-old wisdom of God's holy word. Isn't that amazing? When they come up and find out, hey, this is what works, if it works, it follows the word of God. I think that's incredible. Folks, the truth of the matter is, if you want to know how to do something, go to the word of God. Whether it's raising your kids, whether it's how to treat your spouse, whether it's your finances, whether it's your home, whatever it is, go to the Word of God. It is there. You see, God knew what our lives were going to be like. And He put examples in there of people just like us. Just different names, different faces. But there's an example of our situation right in His Word. And He says, this is the way you do it. And folks, you can read all the books you want to. If they don't align with the Word of God, get rid of them. Throw them away. God knows how to raise children. God knows how to make good marriages. God knows how for us to get along with each other. Folks, go to His Word. Let's pray. Father God, we're so grateful for Your Word. The more we read it, the more we find out we don't know. But the more we read it, we find out how exciting it is. 
We find out how to live, how to react, how to, how to exist in a sinful world. Father, we know how to experience joy by raising kids right, by treating our spouse right, by treating our neighbors right. We see that we can have joy on earth if we do it the way you prescribed. Father, we're grateful for those instructions. Help us to follow it in a mighty way. In Jesus' name.